midfield. That one's called to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would. It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player for the ceremony. No, no. Like Now, to your hosts. All right, everyone, welcome in to Red Sox Beat Podcast, of course, here on CLNS Radio. CLNS Radio, the leading online provider for audio-video coverage of New England professional sports. Of course, of course you can follow CLNS on social media, uh, at CLNS Radio on Twitter, Facebook, you search CLNS Fans, you'll find us there. Don't forget to download the CLNS Radio free mobile podcast app for iOS and Android. Just go to irrespective store and search uh, CLNS Radio, and you will find us, and you can listen to all the podcasts on the network on that app. It's great, and it's free, so no excuses there. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. If you could rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, because the season is here. It's opening day, and we are very excited about that, so we want to spread the word, get this podcast out there even more, and get it out of the uh, the depths of the winter the winter months, as we're back to full hour episode First one, awesome. We're back to back in the full swing. Jess is going to do a recap today of the one game we've had since we're recording this. Um, but guys, it, it's exciting. It's back. It's finally here. Um, I know my office was full of jerseys. I wore my Bogarts jersey to work today. It's just great. It's baseball's back, and it's amazing to finally have it. It's so much fun. I was head to toe in Red Sox gear. Even my workout pants are Red Sox. I had Red Sox workout shirt on, my hoodie, and then my zip up like. I was just Red Sox head to toe, and it was just, I was happy all day. I was in the greatest mood. Yeah, and even more importantly, uh, we were changing things up for the written coverage. We were doing uh, basically audio coverage now uh, with audio recaps and notes and roundtables and news items, uh, just getting off the ground. So if you want to hear a audio recap, Jess Thomas style, check out the website. Also, pregame notes. I did both of those today, so uh, if you haven't heard enough of me, you can go go listen to that too, um, but we'll be, all be doing that. So new exciting stuff for the uh, written coverage that is turning into audio coverage, and uh, so check out that. And uh, once that gets up and going, uh, subscribe to that too. We're gonna roll it all out. It's gonna be great. Yes, we, we will still see good opinion, good sized opinion pieces though, correct? Columns. Yeah, we'll still do some written stuff too, but it'll be okay. more audio focused now. I'm not mad. It's my style of life, so I don't really. That's a good thing for me. Um, and no, and, and definitely check out the roundtables. I know I'm going to be mixing. I think myself in there as well. Um, plus, all the written people are now going to be doing that on their own, even without Jess. So scary thing. People are learning new technology, so it'll be fun. Um, I think it's good for where we're going as as a website for sure. Um, but the Red Sox today, guys, did win a baseball game, which is very exciting. Five uh, three, the final. Uh, just quickly take us through it. We'll have our thoughts as well and break it down a little bit more, but um, just take us through kind of what happened in this game and recap it 2.0 style. Yeah. Um, first inning, uh, first beginning part of the game, uh, first four innings was a pitching duel. If I ever saw one, uh, Garrett Cole versus Rick Porcello. Porcello picked up right where he left off last season with the Cy Young. 
uh, season with 22 wins. He pitched four scoreless innings to start. Actually, more than that, but he started along with four with Garrett Cole. Um, Porcello gave up three hits in the first four innings. Garrett Cole only gave up one. They were both rolling. There was no offense to be heard of. And then all of a sudden, in the uh, in the fifth inning, the Red Sox exploded for five runs. Uh, he just totally fell apart. Cole did. And uh, it started with, with a uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. triple. He ripped a line drive triple off the very short right field wall. Uh, that started off the the scoring because next batter, Pablo Sandoval, knew and improved. He uh, hit a hard grounder to short, deep shortstop, hustled it out, beat the throw to first base, and that scored uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. So it was one nothing at that point. And then Sandy Leon came up, laid down a gorgeous bunt that we're going to talk more about. Uh, Cole couldn't field it, and uh, uh, Bradley Jr., excuse me, Pablo Sandoval went to second base and it was first and second for Dustin Pedroia, who absolutely murdered a ball to center field. He hit it so hard, completely straight right past Cole. That made it 2 nothing. And then Andrew Benintendi came up and also absolutely scorched a baseball, threw around homer into the bullpen, made it 5 nothing. That is all the runs the Red Sox needed. Betts got a hit afterwards. It was six straight hits, five runs, and the Sox batted around in the inning. That made it 5 nothing. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. also made a couple nice catches in uh, center field in the fourth inning. Uh, and Porcello didn't have any problems until the seventh inning. He pitched six scoreless, and then in the seventh inning, got into some trouble and uh, gave up a couple runs. One of his own, um, it was an RBI single, um, and they took him out just to be sure. Matt Barnes came in and uh, gave up two more runs of Porcello's uh, RBI single and then a sack fly, which could have been a lot worse. Benintendi made a nice jumping catch to uh, just give him the one run instead of... That was a beautiful catch, might I add. Oh, it was great. Because they interviewed him him on EEI after the game, and I was listening on the way home from work, and he said that the reason why he had to jump was because he thought the ball had topspin, so he went in first, and then he realized the ball did not have topspin, and he want more of a backspin to the ball, so he's like, I had to time my jump right and hope to God it didn't go over my head. Yeah, it was a great catch. He uh, he saved he saved the game really because they would have scored all the guys on base. Instead, they just got one, and uh, Barnes got out of it. So Porcello gave up three runs on six hits, five strikeouts in uh, six and a third innings, got the win, and then um, the bullpen was a combination of several guys. We'll get to it. Um, when we discuss the game more here, but uh, they got it to the ninth inning where Craig Kimbrell made it interesting as usual. He got two guys on base and uh, almost a home run. It was a double off the top of the wall for Josh Bell. And then uh, he got Starling Marte to pop out to end the game after hitting Adam Frazier with two strikeouts mixed in. That was a ball game, 5-3, 10 hits for the Sox, 8 hits for the Pirates. Um, so we'll dig into it more here, but win's a win. One inning is all I needed, and uh, good outing from Porcello. Yeah, I think that you you watch this game as much as I could watch it. Obviously, I was I was working all day, but um, as much as I I saw of it, you know, Porcello did look good for the most part. He started off a little a little tough there, and um, I think you know maybe a little excited to be starting opening day that sort of thing. He just missed a lot of balls high at first, but um, overall, not a terrible start from Porcello. Not dominating by any means, but you know you got to cut him some slack. It's the first like real start of the year, but. Um, overall, it was nice to not have it be 20 degrees for opening day. It was nice that it was a decent temperature game. Um, and they don't play tomorrow, which would be nice considering it's supposed to rain all day. But 
I think overall, not a terrible game from the Red Sox. I think the ending was a little choppy. We'll get to that in a second with the bullpen. But I don't know what your thoughts are, Lauren. But overall, nothing to really be completely disappointed about or completely concerned about seeing, obviously, it's opening day. But for the most part, they played pretty well as a team. Yeah, I mean, it was a beautiful day, beautiful game. It was just, it, it was good. And I know um, I heard on the radio driving from work to work that this was the 19th time that Rick Porcello had gone at least six innings. And I was like, that that's like really reassuring to hear how considering how much we crapped on him this time two years ago. And <laughs> it, it's, I mean, a lot can happen in a year. A lot can happen in two years. So, um to hear that was definitely refreshing, and it was just nice to see, you know, the offensive explosion. I know, like, the bunt that Sandy Leon laid down we're going to talk about, it was it, – it, it's just nice to have baseball back. <laughs> so I'm just well, so happy. Well, let's talk about that bunt because that bunt was something that I want to talk about because I don't think enough people do that. You know, one, why, why the hell are they putting the shift on Sandy Leon, first of all, because he's not that good of a hitter. So, like, I think now the shift in, as a whole in baseball is really overblown. It's really used – way too much like before it used to be used on like people like David Ortiz where they only pulled the ball and that was fine but now I feel like every time someone has at all a tendency to pull the ball or is a lefty I feel like they just put the shift on for whatever reason it may be but for me I I look at Sandy Leon one why put the shift on him and two he finally did something that I think more people need to start doing in this game is if you see a shift on take the base he batted ninth put the ball on the ground get the base, and then let, let the top of the order do what you're supposed to do. And that's what they did, and that generated a run, if not more. And it's because, you know, he, and as a team, they didn't take the bait and just have him try to hit opposite field. They took what it was given, they took the base, and now you have the top of the order with a guy on base, and that's what you always ask for. Honestly, Jared, I think that more guys don't do it because they're not confident in their bunting skills. Is really, I think, what the problem is. I don't think most of the guys in the league are proficient bunters and you get sandy coming up here and he laid down an absolutely perfect bunt all the confidence in the world first pitch no problem it was it looked like it was like you know jacoby ellsbury or coco crisp laying down a bunt like it was like perfectly executed okay he was a you know outfielder a quick quick speedy stolen base outfielder and he's a slow catcher a little each row each row exactly (laughs) any of those guys it was perfect and then like you said top of the orders up after that and then they scored four more runs immediately after that in the next two batters. It was hugely important, and like, it doesn't happen enough because guys aren't good enough at bunting. So if that's not motivation to bunt, I don't know what is. Is that an American yeah. League thing, or is that an MLB thing? I don't think most guys, period, in the league are that. Just like the, the quick, speedy, stolen base, like I said, those guys, they're good at bunting. It doesn't really seem like anybody else is. Yeah, Jess, you nailed it right on the head. You know, it's It's a confidence thing, and I know... Um, you know, playing, I played softball, so I never bunted because simply because of that, like I, I knew I couldn't lay it down. I always popped the ball up. I could never get it where I wanted it to be. And so I, I bunted, I think twice in my entire career that I played softball. And it's, I think it's like a mental thing too. And, you know, you're up there and you have the position that you're in. You're like, Oh, what can I do to get myself on base? What can I do to advance the runners? Like, if you don't have that confidence in yourself, you're not going to be able to do it. And Sandy just, like you said, it was just a, a perfect bun. He just executed it perfectly. And he was just like, oh, I'm going to do it. And he did it. And how often do guys 
you know, pop him up or strike out because they can't get the bunt down three straight times. They stand up there for like five pitches and either foul it off or, or get their hands back just in time so it's a ball. Like, they're completely uncomfortable with it, and it's just like a train wreck, and you're just sitting there waiting for it to be over. <laughs> and then when you find guys who can actually bunt, you're like, wow, this is how it's done. It's, it's, you don't see it that much. No, you don't, and that's why yep. I, I, it's nice to see because so many times, even I hate to always bring him up because I want I want this team to not be involved around David Ortiz, but there were so many times where I was like, David Ortiz, just please drop a bunt. Like for the love of God, you'd be on like second base if you just dropped the bunt and ran around to second by the time someone got to the ball because they played the shift so much on Ortiz. And like I know it's he a terrible example because he's so slow, but like right. there are other examples in around the league that you could think of that realistically, if someone pulled the ball, like, I know Victor Martinez gets shifted on a lot and easily could lay a bunt down. I've seen him do it and could easily get a ball. I know he's a power hitter, but, like, Sandy Leone's a great example. Jackie Bradley, Sandy Leone, these guys are going to hit bottom at the order. You know, obviously can bunt, but need to do it more often. I don't know why in the world the Pirates are shifting on Sandy Leone, but I'm very happy they actually took advantage of it. You gotta have enough confidence as a hitter that you can bunt the ball past or deep, deep, so the pitcher has to fumble like Cole did, or deep enough past them so that nobody can get it because nobody's there at third base. Like you gotta be able to bunt that hard enough. Like you should be able to do that in addition to like sacrifice bunts and everything. It's just that shouldn't be that hard. If there's nobody on that side of the field, you just bunt the crap out of it, get it on the ground, and it's like a grounder, and then nobody gets it. Do you think teams don't, don't I mean, practice this enough player. in spring? Do you think teams don't practice bunting enough anymore? That's exactly what I think. Yeah, it, that's, it's got to be it because, I mean, I, you watch batting practice, you watch you know fielding practice, you don't see a lot of practices devoted to bunting, and you don't really see people bunting in batting practice, period. Yeah, because I remember in, you growing up, and I, I, mean, I, like, I hate to use this, but I, I, mean, I play baseball, and like every time you get into a cage, no matter what level you're in, you take two or three bunts and then you swing away. It's what it is. You know, you got to get those reps in or you're not going to remember how to bunt the ball. And that's something you don't see as much anymore. Obviously, we don't see BP a lot in the majors live um, or video of it too much, but that don't you don't think I don't think they're doing it that much anymore. And bunting is a huge part of the game strategy-wise. I think it's more of a thing obviously in the National League with small ball and um, all the double switching and just everything is more of a strategy game than it is in the American League. So, it might be happening more there, but then you have Madison Bobgarner hitting two home runs instead of bunting like pitchers used to. So who knows anymore? Yeah, I think that I think it's an overlooked part of the game. But in the in spring training, we heard several different people say that the Red Sox are going to focus more on bunting, hit and runs, stolen bases. So like, if this is a sign of things to come, I mean, they executed it in game one. So if this is how it's going to be, I think that's great because there's a lot of games during the season where teams just where the Sox and other teams are just not generating enough offense. So if you're if you're uh, able to bunt and hit and run and steal and all of those things, then that's that's a way to spark the offense instead of just grounding out and flying out and getting shut out or getting one run in a game. Like that's how you generate runs. Great example today: four runs right after a bunt. So if they are really if this is a sign of things to come, that's a really good sign. Yeah, and yeah. Y- you you want you want that to be the case because little things like that. Where you bunt, you get a you get your first run in, um, because Pablo Sandoval actually hustled out a single, um, and then it led to the Benintendi homer and so forth. And it's just little things like that can spark a rally. You know, you if if think about it, if Sandy Leon didn't bunt, he probably what grounds out to the shift. So 
and that's me being the pessimist in me, but like, you know, Sandy Leon's not a great hitter. So my opinion is he probably does ground out to the shift if he swings away, but he took advantage of what was given to him. Let's Pedroia come up and do his thing. And there behold, now at least have more and more runs and you're up five, nothing. So that little spark from bunting can do a lot. And I think the Red Sox are going to do more of that this year. Like we've heard because one, you don't have David Ortiz in this lineup. So you got to generate runs other ways. Um, and two, you have a more well-rounded lineup this year. I think without the power-centered Ortiz in there, it sucks. But that being said, you have more of a well-rounded arsenal to use. So um, that's something to keep an eye on, of course. But then you go to the fact is – no, again, sorry. I was just going to say, like, during the game, Jerry Remy just kept harping on how great of a bun it was because it didn't just spark the team. It also rattled Garrett Cole. And I mentioned this in my recap earlier. Um, my recap for the site, not during the show. Um it looked like they showed a replay and Garrett Cole was staring into their, their dugout and the Pirates dugout. And cause and what they were speculating was that he didn't want to have the shift on Sandy. They did it. And then it left him alone to feel the bunt. So it rattled him. He didn't feel it. And then he gave up all those runs. So like, I don't think he wanted the bunt to be on. So since it rattled him, he was pitching lights out before that. He was unbelievable. He, he was right too. <laughs> yeah. And then boom. That happened. He completely fell apart and had a terrible game after a great start. So it didn't just spark the Red Sox. It also completely rattled a really good pitcher. So had multiple multiple good things with it. Yeah, it's and... amazing what what a little bunt can do to spark a huge you know offensive explosion like that. Especially when you know no one likes to be wrong or no one likes to be right and not taken seriously. I guess you could wait better way to word it. Like clearly he was right if that was the case. Like if he didn't want the the thing the shift to be on. And the Pirates just put it on anyway, especially for a guy like Sandy Leon, where you don't really need it. You know, he was right, and now he got screwed over because of it. And then it's hard to come back from that. And obviously, you have to be mentally strong, but some pitchers are psychopaths. Some pitchers are mental cases, and some pitchers can't come back from something like that. And, and that was showed. And that's how they got the five runs. Um, one thing that really piqued the interest, and one thing that really shocked me, was the fact that Pablo Sandoval looked pretty good today. He, I mean, always oh, been having a spring. Um, and, but it translates well because, you know, Sandy drops the bunt, um, and, and you do these other things, but Sandoval guys hustled an infield single and got a hit. He had an RBI infield single, but he hustled down the first base line and there wasn't fat rolling around. There wasn't anything coming out of his belt. It was just straight hustle and it was pure joy. And it was like, it was, it was really good to see. It was, it was so funny because I was streaming the game at work, but I didn't have any volume on my computer. So it kind of sucked, but. I had stepped away, and then I looked at my phone, and it's like, Sandoval reaches on infield single, and I was like, wait, what? What did Typo? I do? Typo? <laughs> Typo? <laughs> and, you know, lo and behold, and like that's what I want to see. That's the hustle I want to see. That's what I want to read. Like, I want to I want to look at that and not believe what I'm reading, and then go see it and be like, that's incredible. Like, it's kind of like when a, you know, not to bring up David Ortiz again, but when he, when he would get an infield single, that's, it's like, what, what just happened? What is going on? Because it's just not something that you see every day from somebody like Sandoval, especially with the season he had or lack thereof last year and everything he encountered and endured. And it's, it's a, it was a very good and positive start for him. Yeah, it was good. It was good to see. It was a little bit of a mixed bag for him today because he did have an error and also struck out twice. Um, I mean, obviously, strikeouts will happen. Uh, he's kind of a free swinger. His error was terrible. It was a routine grounder, 
short throw, and he just threw it straight into the ground. It was pathetic. Fortunately, Porcello got out of it, but to see him get the RBI single and, and to hustle down the line, and he just looked thin. He looked like he was moving well, and and uh, so obviously it was a mixed bag of things, but just to see him in in the action playing well and having him hit eighth, what a, what a weapon to have someone like that hitting eighth. That's incredible. Yeah, no, and he, I don't think he'll be hitting eighth forever. Um, and, and we'll get to lineup in a second. But Lauren, basically, if your TV was on, if your your thing was on mute, you could have put like the and you would have exactly pictured. And I was that's what I was thinking in my head as he was running down to first base because literally he was fast. Like I mean, as fast as he can be. But I think it's a good sign of things to come because obviously in spring he had to prove himself to even get the job, but. You know, we've seen in the past, he could have easily, you know, not hustled that ball out. Um, he, he's done things like that in the past. He's more of a postseason guy. He just goes through the motions. He is here to play, and I think this is going to be a big year for him. Yeah, it's it was definitely good to see. I mean, you could see that he was into the action. He was hustling. He wanted to win. So, you know, the other step aside, you know, he, he, hadn't, he didn't play last year. He hasn't played in a long time. And I read that his throws were kind of off in spring training. So it's the first game. Like, I'm sure it'll get more accurate. So I'm not really worried about the error and, and the strikeouts. But just to see him actively involved with the game, that's obviously what we're looking for in the first week or two of the season because that's what he wasn't doing before. So all the bad stuff aside, I, I'm definitely encouraged by his hustle. Yeah, I mean... You couldn't expect or you couldn't want to expect like anything less than what he gave you today. Like that's exactly what you want to see. And I I really think he's just building off last season and really putting in the work that he says he is and that he did all spring. And we saw him. He had a hell of a spring. And now I know it's only game one of 162. We got a long way to go. But if this is how it's going to start, I'm only thinking he's just going to keep it going because you're going to want to hear the fans cheer for you. You're going to want to use that as motivation to just get them behind you again because right now we're not completely behind them. He was embarrassing. He was an embarrassment to the team the last two years. So it's only you can only go up from here, and you think nobody more than him would want him to play well because you know this is a tough place to play, and he's been a huge flop so far. So if he's got any motivation from what Hanley did last year because he literally did the exact same thing that Sandoval's trying to do this year, so... If he's not motivated this year, he's never going to be motivated. So this is the time. You and uh, possibly Pablo Sandoval are listening to the Red Sox Beat podcast. Our opening segment is powered by the SeatGeek ticketing app, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Get a $20 rebate on your first purchase by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the code GUARDIANREPORT, uh, all one word, for a $20 rebate. And so SeatGeek knows who sent you, of course, um, Red Sox tickets, Celtics tickets, other tickets if you're listening to us around the country and the world. Um, anybody, just let's put that uh, Garden Report promo code in. We'll help you out there. I hope Pablo Sandoval's listening. That'd be sweet. Um, that being said, this game had a lot, to, a lot to offer. Sandoval did some good things. Sandy Leone, obviously, with the bunt. Um, let's get to Andrew Benatendi because the idea of him intrigued me because I was... We, I, Hitting second obviously isn't a problem with me. It weirded me out at first because it's been Bogarts' situation. I thought Bogarts was going to hit second, um, even fifth for that matter. But and we'll get to that and like that's the next. That's where I want to go with this. But first, Ano Benatendi, free run ding dong and a great catch that saves the game. This guy does not seem phased by being a major leaguer. 
one, if he doesn't win Rookie of the Year, I'll be shocked. And two, this guy's poised to be a really, really, really special player. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was big on him last year, and I, I knew he was something special, and I'll go back to it a hundred times over with his plate patience, and you don't see that a lot in thirty-year-olds. Never mind a twenty-two-year-old kid who's just coming through the majors like Lottie Dottie. I'm just going to skip AAA, just come right up. And and we saw great catches from him last year too. That one catch over the wall, and just for to see what he's doing this early is just. And like you said, Jared, I, I, I mean, I think he'll win Rookie of the Year too. Again, it's Game One of the nine more months of baseball that we have to look forward to. But but he's a top prospect in baseball for a reason too. Oh, absolutely, and it, it's very encouraging from this first game what we've seen from him. Um, I think he's just like an old soul. He's just wise beyond his years, and which is extremely good. I'm just worried. I would hate for him to hit his prime now and then kind of fade out when he's 25 and 26 and we're like oh god what are we doing with this guy that's my only fear with him yeah when you get that much excitement and hype early on and you're that good that's always always a possibility for sure hey he kind of reminds me of of bets in the way that just ran through the minor leagues and just doesn't seem like faced by anything he's like oh i'm hitting a fenway park in the two slot on opening day cool i'll go hit a home run he's just like totally cool he's not doesn't feel like he's too big for the moment he just goes out there and and plays and does well, which is exactly what Betts did and has done. And you see where he is now. So I think they're really similar in that way. They just, they're not, they don't feel any pressure. They just know they're good baseball players and they just play, which you don't see very often, especially at that young. And the fact that the Sox have both of those guys in the same outfield is kind of a terrifying done. I think, does it, does it also help them? And I, I personally do think this, that, you know, these guys came up playing together. I'm not really playing together because obviously Ben and Teddy didn't, but all these younger kids playing together down in AAA for a little bit has to have helped the you know the ease of like stress because they're used to playing outfield together. And Benatendi comes up and plays outfield with these guys, and they're not they're not they're not playing with anyone who they looked up to. They're not playing with veterans. They're playing with guys pretty much their age for the most part. That has to kind of take away some of the stress because you know you trust these guys because they're your age. Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's. When you're comfortable with the guys you're playing with, I mean, yeah, like what Betts is two years older than Ben Intendi, Bradley's four years older. Like they're all they're all low to mid twenties, so they've all been through the system in a reasonably close proximity of time. And so, Betts and Bradley came up together for the most part, so exactly. And like Bogarts is the same age. Like they're all the same age, so that's obviously got to help. And to have that many great young players all playing together at the same time, that's why this team's going to be good and why they were good last year. It's it's half players that young this good already is pretty pretty scary for the rest of the league I'm sure yeah I mean I was talking about this today with my friend Brittany just how scary this this team like this outfield this let alone this whole team can be and and just I think we kind of touched on it last night you know this lineup and everything on paper is just stacked and it I'm just I'm just so excited. I just like I I just want to see what everyone can do, and I want to see you know, what's going to happen. I just I wish I could see the future, but I'm kind of glad I can't because I would know who who's going to win the World Series. But that's no fun. That's <laughs> no, no fun at all. That Come on now. Our, that would take away from all our bold predictions. And but <laughs> it's it's just this outfield. I I'm just amazed by completely amazed by this outfield. And like you said, they're so young. They're younger than me. 
and it's, that's really weird to put into perspective where I think I'm still I'm still young I know that but I'm like yeah these kids are 22 23 24 and I was like Ugh. like they'll make more money in a day than I'll ever make in my lifetime <laughs> don't get too down on yourself <laughs> yeah seriously uh that's true they make they could make a good chunk of change and they're not even on their big deals yet they're still on their entry-level deals um i wanted to ask you guys this real quick because we're talking about the youth of this team do you guys think and, and this is something that some people point out but does this team have a three-year window or does this team have more than a three-year window to win a championship oh way more yeah <laughs> i mean i want I want a championship now, next year, for the next seven years. But I think the window is much more than three. If all your best, well, some of your best players are all between like twenty-two and twenty-eight, I think the window's open for a long time. <laughs> Only reason why I can see, and obviously it, it's Maz's point on the sports hub, and that's why I bring it up because I listen to him avidly. But I bring it up because I can see where he comes from in the sense of you know, in three years, Chris Sale's up. In three years, David Price could be out of here, probably not. But like. All these young guys are up in three years, too. So you're going to move some missing parts. Now, I don't agree with them because I think that, yeah, your team won't be exactly the same after three years from now. But who who's to say that Chris Dale doesn't stay? Because if you do well here, he loves He's clearly said he, he's excited to be here. And he's going to embrace being here. He got a standing ovation today being introduced. And he wasn't even pitching in the opening He's not even 30. Yeah. So he's not old. Not I don't think all. he's gonna want to leave by any means. It's just it wasn't really the age. I think it was more of wanting to leave Boston or like staying in Boston. But that being said, he the dude got a standing ovation. Hasn't even pitched a ball yet in a Red Sox uniform in an, in a regular season game. So I think he'll like it here. I think he's the type of personality we've talked about. This he's gonna fit in here. I can see why people would, why he would think that the window's lower like three years because of the contract situation. But even if you do lose like Bradley. It, out of the ones Bradley Betts Bogarts those guys even if you lose Bradley who cares you still have the other guys you know like you're not gonna be able to keep all of them per se maybe but you definitely are gonna keep a bulk of them so I think the window's gotta be at least five minimum just because of the situation you have yeah I think five is a good a good kind of marker because that's probably how long is gonna play for so to have his veteran influence um I mean, I think the biggest problem would be pitching, obviously, as it always is. But I think I don't think Price is going to be here that long because I feel like he's going to opt out because he hates it here because he can't deal with it. So, but that could probably help the team. We don't need his. Can he opt out? His... Well, yeah, because he got hurt. Right. I don't think he can though. Does that matter? There's something. There's a clause in his contract. I think it keeps coming up now. That he's not going to opt out because he got hurt. Oh, well. Fancy that. Well, if he does opt out, if he's able to, I think he will because he hates it here. So I think we'll be better off for it. He can't handle Boston. He's just a distraction, and uh, I don't know how much he's going to do here. We'll hope, but um, for for the team's sake. So I don't know how long he's going to be around, but if Porcello keeps doing this and Sale and you slot in some younger guys, and I mean, obviously the offense is going to be the focal point, but if you can get your pitching to be good enough, then I don't see why they can't be good for a long time. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. That'd be nice because I, I, I want to sit here and talk Red Sox wins, not Red Sox losses. So <laughs> that would be very nice, especially if they're a World Series here. They're probably the top four teams in baseball based off the odds right now. Um, I never agree with Jess Mendoza, but I was watching Sunday Night Baseball, and she actually picked the Red Sox to win the World Series. Um, right. And I never agree with Jess Mendoza, like ever, because um, I think she's terrible in the booth. But um, that being said, I, I'll obviously hope that comes true. <laughs> um Going to this game, too, one thing that intrigued me is 
the batting order. Now, Farrell said before the game, it's a left-right thing. It was a, it was a flow of the order thing. But Bogarts was hitting sixth today. Mitch Moreland hit fifth. Like, I understand the, to a certain extent the left matchups, left-right thing, but Bogarts should not be hitting under Mitch Moreland in any circumstance. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, mean, I, mean, I'm, I, I was fine with it. Yeah, but it's Mitch Moreland's not a good hitter. I thought he'd be hitting like eighth or ninth, not fifth. I, I think he's a good hitter. I've been, I, have I been misled? Fair. I thought hasn't he hit over twenty home runs like three or four times? I think your love affair for Bogarts is just getting in the way of this. But he's coming. No, my point is he's coming off a really good performance in the World Baseball Classic. I understand you want to have Ben Attendee hit second. I get that. I'm not like trying to get him back up to hitting second. But why wouldn't you have a guy hit fifth when Mitch Moreland isn't that great of a hitter? And Dude, I would have, I would have had Pablo Sandoval hit over Mitch Moreland. You need to look at Mitch Moreland's numbers, my friend. I, I, yeah, I don't think you're giving him enough credit. I think. I mean, no. No, I, I mean, I can crap. understand why you'd want him to be batting eighth, maybe not ninth, but I. Well, no, Sandy Leon could say ninth. That's fine. He's not a good hitter at all. So, <laughs> but I think. I don't think you're giving him enough credit. I just, I think you're just kind of jumping the gun here. Yeah, Moreland what, what hit 22 is... homers last year, 23 the year before, 23 two years before that, 15, 16. His average isn't good, but he's got power, and he's gotten enough RBI to be serviceable. I mean, a couple of our our writers, bold predictions, picked him to hit, like, 30 home runs. So, like, I don't think you're giving the guy enough credit. Yeah, probably not, but I'd rather have the average higher. Oh, up than we the convinced you now? Have we? <laughs> probably, I'm probably not giving enough credit, but I, wow. I don't know. I just my first reaction to that was just a little confused. Now I, I get it; you can make a case for it. I'm, I'm not going to go too much. I'm not going to twist my own panties in a wad here. I'm not going to go that far. But <laughs> like, I, I just think that it was a bad decision. I, I didn't obviously hurt them by any means, but um, I, I don't think Moreland's going is that good at the plate anyway. He has power, obviously. He's always had power because he's a bigger dude. Um, and he's a first baseman. They just naturally have power because they're all big dudes. Um, but he came here for his glove. He didn't come here to hit fifth in the lineup. So that's going to end up changing. But one thing... I mean, well, I know. I don't know. I think it's good because that way, reliever, I mean, managers can't really feel comfortable bringing in relievers. They're going to be bringing in for, like, one guy because you got right, left, right, left, right, and the first six batters. So I think it, it works for that sense. I mean, Moreland's good enough to be in that position to make that left-right thing work. So I think I think it was a good idea. So do you guys think that it was justified? Because I would have even thought Sandoval would have hit higher than Moreland because Sandoval, I think, had a really good spring. And I, th- I, don't, I don't know if they put him down there just because of pressure and he hasn't really proven anything. And I get that, obviously get that argument. But do you guys think that Sandoval deserved to hit higher in the lineup? Or I mean, I'm, I'm fine with the lineup. Um... I don't think Sandoval expected to come in and just kind of, you know, bat forth or wherever. Um, especially when in his situation, Sandoval's got to come back and kind of prove his point or prove his worth, really, and figure out where he belongs in the lineup. And, and it clearly worked today. So, uh, you know, if he sticks, if Farrell sticks with it for Wednesday or the series or whatever, you know, it's kind of like the if it's not broke, don't don't fix it. I think they're definitely easing Sandoval in. That hitting him eighth is definitely suggesting that because, yeah. like you said, Lauren, he's not just Farrell's not just throwing him in fourth or fifth or third or whatever. So they're definitely easing him in. But like I said earlier, having him at eighth is just makes your lineup better because he's hitting lower. I mean, really, when your lineup's as good as this lineup is, 
anybody can really hit anywhere. I don't think it really matters because you got good guys one through nine. One question for you guys, not Bogarts related. Do you guys think Pedroia is really a hitter all year? Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah. Yep. Like I said, nine times out of ten, I think he's going to be in that spot. Um, I like him there, and I think he likes it too. And it gives him a chance to get on base and just be aggressive early. Yeah, he seems comfortable with it, which is the most important thing. And Comfortable and liking are two different things. I don't think he likes it. He's come on and said he hates it. Just, just saying. But I agree. Why I, would I, not like it? I mean, it's you get to lay off the game, you get to start it. I mean, obviously your RBI numbers might be a little down if, if, if in a normal situation, but with such a good bottom of the lineup that he probably will have our, our, uh, RBI opportunities. He had one today. He got one. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think I don't. I don't think he has a problem with it. I think I mean I, I've he said he doesn't like it. It's, he's come out and said that, but I don't think he's ever going to complain too much because he he does what's better for the team and he's going to hit leadoff most of this year because as much as he doesn't like to hit leadoff he's good at it and he he gets on base and that's that's the point of that and you can't be having Mookie Betts hit leadoff when he hits the way he does now all of a sudden he got power last year and it came out of nowhere so Mookie Betts isn't I I always thought Mookie Betts would have been your leadoff hitter forever but he came out of nowhere um and maybe you know maybe someday Benintendi does hit does hit first maybe they switch that um but as of right now Pedroia is a Case in point, a clear-cut leadoff hitter. But I just think overall, um, I, I, I've, you've seen reports he doesn't enjoy it in terms of the sense of he doesn't feel like he's comfortable 100% there. But obviously, he does well wherever you put him, so I don't think he's going to complain too much. But um, I know you guys don't like to complain about John Farrell and his decisions, but it almost the bullpen situation, and I know we want to touch on this too, um, in the lineup, I, I, it's hard to me to give, I mean, I'll always give crap on John Farrell as much as I can in the lineup. It's day one. So I'm not going to harp on it too much, but one question that intrigued you guys too is why in the world didn't Joe Kelly pitch in the eighth inning today when he basically is on this team without Carson Smith there or Thornburg, Thornburg there, the eighth inning should have been Joe Kelly's. And I don't understand why it wasn't. I, I wish I had an answer for you. Like, I wish I could have been a fly in the wall. I wish I could have been in Farrell's head or anyone, anyone's head. I wish I could have been in Joe Kelly's head um, when he wasn't called for the eighth. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if there's any particular reason. Um, We've seen Farrell do some weird things. We've seen weirder things happen with Farrell. We've seen Stephen, Stephen Wright pinch run. So it's, I don't, I don't really know. I, I don't know if it's just, Farrell being Farrell, I guess you could say, or if he wanted to go with Robbie Scott over Kelly for X, Y, Z reasons, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm very dumbfounded by this. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like he, they wanted him to be their guy. Maybe they don't have as much confidence in him as we think they do. I mean, obviously two guys, Scott and Henry, both splitting the eighth inning instead of just having one guy. Maybe it was a matchup thing. That's kind of my only guess is that it would be a matchup thing. It's early in the season. I'm not sure what the matchups exactly would be in that situation, I guess, from previous years. But that's my only guess is a matchup thing, because otherwise you think that Kelly would be starting the eighth inning with with Smith and Thornberry out, obviously. Maybe they don't trust him as much as we think we do. Which is weird, because, I mean, everything that we saw, you know, I mean, as much as spring training can tell you something, it was lined up for Joe Kelly to be the eighth inning guy with these injuries. So, um that's why I think that it, it just threw a lot of us off, including I know it did you too as well. It's just 
when you have a guy who clearly is the eighth inning, should be the eighth inning guy, um, and I understand you have other guys you might enjoy and might like the idea of, but in the eighth inning, when you need someone to throw the ball hard, it, Joe Kelly would, I, I don't think Joe Kelly would have had a problem. And it's just, obviously we don't know what's going on in Farrell's head. No one ever does. Um, and we don't know what their thought process is. I, I didn't even see anything after the game explaining it. I, I might have missed it, but I just don't understand why. You have a guy like Joe Kelly who clearly is good in, in a one-time through the kind of order situation and, and throws gas, and he's primed for an eighth-inning setup type role, especially with the injuries this bullpen has at the beginning of the year. It doesn't make sense to, for any reason why Joe Kelly wouldn't at least got the the first batter, if not the attempt to have the whole inning and then have those guys behind him. Cause I feel like he should be that first option. I'm surprised Joe Kelly didn't see any time at all coming out of that bullpen today. Especially with the off day tomorrow. They, I mean, obviously a, a decent amount of bullpen guys pitched for the little amount of time they had. So that makes it even stranger. I guess we can make a decision next week uh, about it because obviously one game isn't really enough to, to determine uh, if he, if, if they keep, if he keeps doing this and bringing in, um, Scott and Hembry or you know Barnes or whatever in the eighth inning and Kelly keeps not pitching then obviously something's wrong for one game it's a little hard to judge but we'll see if this becomes a trend when was the last time Joe Kelly pitched do we know I have no idea I, I don't either but I'll let you guys know off the top of your head I don't have it written down Come on, Lauren. You're the one who's supposed to have all that written down. Um, Joe Kelly log out. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't sure because, I mean, it could be that situation, too, where he just recently pitched and they didn't want to get him in today. Um, just, But I can't imagine it was a maintenance situation because, again, they have a day off tomorrow built into the schedule every year. The day after opening day is the day off. So um, I, I can't imagine. I want to hate that, by the way. But I, I can't imagine that would be a situation. Yeah, I don't know. It's you would have expected him to pitch as many pitches as he could with the off day, but maybe maybe he's looking to do that on Wednesday instead, which makes no sense because they play Thursday. But yeah, I'm interested to see if it comes a trend. That'll that'll be all I need to know for now. Maybe <laughs> it's just maybe it's just like an outlier, but what was a little weird. Yeah, maybe I'll get to see, maybe I'll get to see Chris Sale and Joe Kelly on Wednesday. Maybe I'll just that'd be great. And then maybe Brian Johnson will come out of nowhere out of AAA and just make your day. That would just be great. You can he can hang out he's with me. I'll 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 oh, I should get my tickets right now so we because because I'm sure he's listening. I'll tell him where I'm sitting. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So before we move on to like MLB stuff and uh, get through MLB headlines and, and kind of talk about because I do want to talk about one the opening games and especially Madison Baumgartner, but um, just one game can't tell a story. But if the, if this game did tell a story of how this season would go. How's this season going? If you if you base it off today's game, well, I mean, I think bullpen might be a little bit of a concern just with Barnes coming in and giving up some runs, but they were Porcello's runs. So if he came in at the beginning of the inning, maybe it'd be different. And the rest of them looked pretty good. Obviously, Kimbrel was a little little shaky as he was several different times last year. So maybe a concern with the bullpen. Hard to tell in one game, but offense looks good, pitching looks good. So. I'd say, I mean, the game went as well as it could possibly go until the until the uh, seventh inning. So I'm very encouraged. Yeah, I'm definitely encouraged too. I mean, Kimbrel kind of got my blood pressure a little high. A little shaky. A little shaky. Last season. He's good at that. And I was when I was watching, I was watching the very end of the game at work, and I'm like, oh god, here we go again, and it's only game one. And then you know you got out of it, and I was like, oh, thank god, but. 
I mean, it's the first game. I, I liked what I saw. Um, I was kind of hoping Porcello could get a complete game, but I know his pitch count got kind of high later in the innings. I know he gave up the three earned runs. So um, it was it was encouraging. It was positive. Um, I thought the chemistry looked good. I thought the bats looked good. Um, and it was just overall, it was I'm taking a lot more positives and negatives because I can't really find too many negatives in this game. Yeah, I, I look at this game and it kind of it kind of sends the script of the storylines coming into the year. You know, with the injuries, the bullpen's an issue. Um, Rick Porcell is one of the leaders on this staff, and you saw him pitch pretty well today. And um, I think Kimbrel, which we didn't touch on too much, but Kimbrel was shaky. And I mean, watching him reminds me of how I used to feel watching Papelbon half the time. It was just freaking out. You can't throw strikes all the time, and it wasn't easy. Um, and I I don't know if Papelbon's ever gonna. I mean, not Papelbon. I think they're one and the same to me. Um, I don't know if Kimbrel's ever going to get back to what he was with the Braves, but he was very shaky today. I know he was throwing nine, nine and paint in the corner. I don't know why he was even trying to throw his breaking ball, but I, I think this game overall shows, you know what this team is a good team. Bullpen questions when the injuries are there, but overall a pretty good team. And obviously, you know, the injuries aside, they'll have to see how they stay afloat with the situation at hand, you know, who knows when David Price is coming back? Thornburg, Carson Smith, those guys are going to add value to the bullpen when they get back and are ready to go. So, um, staying afloat in April is going to be huge for them, and not and just playing well. And I think they have the team to do that. And then once those guys come back, the sky's the limit. I think with the healthy bullpen, and even if David Price does take a little longer, I think with a healthy bullpen, you'll be okay. So, um, obviously, it's very exciting to have baseball in the air. Um, but it is time to talk about the boatload of money you can make this week betting at mybookie.ag. If you haven't checked them out yet, this is the perfect time to get into the action. It's, it's madness time. It's March uh, into April that the finals are here. Lay down some money and score big on college hoops. Join me and thousands of online players and start betting at mybookie.ag. Are you sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout? Come join mybookie today. I would recommend all this only a service that's been good to me and our listeners. That's why I urge you to make your way to mybookie. You win, they pay fast and without any hassles whatsoever. You're wa- you're wasting your time betting anywhere else. They even have even uh, in-game betting, so you can live after the tip-off. You're able to bet uh, after that happens, which is amazing. So join now, and my bookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. That's right. If you join with $100, you'll get an extra $50 bankroll to play with. Use our promo code SOX50. That's S O X five zero to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie today or call 844-900-BETS-B-E-T-S. Play, win, and get paid. Um, and, of course, it's good past, obviously, the tournament as well. There's a national championship happening and so on and so forth. Definitely go check out MyBookie for sure. Um, a lot going on, obviously. We, we're gonna, we, we break down the Red Sox a lot as the first game happens. We're just so excited to talk baseball, real baseball. Um, but there's other stuff going on around the league as well. Um, first guys have to talk about Madison Baumgartner for the Giants had a no hitter going into the sixth, um, got broken up. He had a perfect game. I think Lauren said before we started the show going into the fifth inning. Um, and on top of that, hit two homers in back to back at bats. What this guy like does not stop. I really do wish he would do the home run derby because seriously, like (laughs) he would probably do pretty well. I would love a pitcher home run derby, but I'd put him in the regular home run derby. Are you kidding me? He'd probably kill it. Uh, I'd love to see just all the pitchers do it, too. <laughs> It'd be awesome. But I think the funniest part about everything, the most amazing stat about all those stats you threw out, is that 
two home runs and back-to-back at-bats, never been done by a pitcher. Struck out 11, had a no-hitter going into the six, perfect game through five, and the Giants still lost the game. And, that, I mean, that, it sucks for Bumgarner because, you know, those are – that's an amazing thing that he did. It, it's just – it's something that's going to be talked about for probably the whole season. It's always going to be brought up, but they lost the game. And nobody likes losing on opening day, and – I feel like I, I I kind of feel like that's the loss is gonna like overshadow what he did just because it, they lost and it's it kind of reminds me of oh David Price had 13 strikeouts but he gave up nine runs so you know what's the point of having all that just to lose but it amazing nonetheless and this probably something we won't see unless he does it again this year but I I he's ugh, what can't he do. Yeah, it's uh, always tough in a loss, but two home runs for the dude. He's nuts. He's <laughs> such a good hitter. Why is he They're, a pitcher? Oh, right, they were, they were bombs, too. Like, those homers <laughs> were no joke. Like, Yeah, I don't know how he hits so well. How do you focus on hitting that well when you're pitching that well? Like, how do you do both? It's like super, Superman over here. Yeah, he's a great pitcher. He's a great player. And uh, got to get the wins, though, which I'm sure they will because they're good. But Tori Lavello got his first win. Go Diamondbacks. Yeah, nice on an exciting game, obviously with Diamondbacks with the walk off too. Um, but you know, Baumgartner is just a stud. He's awesome. I have to, we have to talk about that because never alone do you see pitchers hit one homer, but two and back to back. It's just it's ridiculous. But um, one other game that you know we wanted to touch on was the first Sunday night baseball game uh, where Jess Mendoza didn't make her prediction of the Red Sox winning the World Series, but it was Cubs. It was the Cardinals. Cubs' first game um, as defending world champions, which is still weird to say. Uh, John Lester was on the mound, and for the first, what, eight innings, seven innings, whatever whatever it was, we had a really good pitcher's duel. It was a really good game with the Cubs and the Cardinals. Yeah, um, that was a wild way to end my Sunday night besides chatting with Jess. Um, but... <laughs> side note, wild side, Jess Thomas on a round table. Just yeah, that was that was our wild Sunday night. That was our Sunday fun day, and um, I thought I really thought the Cubs were gonna gonna win it. I know it was close, and I know it came down to a walk off. But I was, I mean, I can't root against Lester. I never will. But I I really thought the Cubs had this one in the bag, and it's definitely a bummer to start the season that way. But uh, it's it's one game at one hundred and sixty two. They're going 0 and 162. Get ready for it. <laughs> Funny thing is, Lester tweeted out after after they lost. He's like, "That was a crappy way to lose." There goes the undefeated season. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Too funny. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll still be good. But if you guys listen to our roundtable from last night, I predicted the Cardinals to win the Central and actually picked them to go to the World Series. So I'm not in the Cubs bandwagon. They're going back down. <laughs> who, who who are the Cardinals playing there, Jeff? I haven't played the Rangers. Oh, that's a new. That's a different Isn't one. Isn't that very interesting? Like it's it intriguing. is. I would have picked like the Astros before the Rangers if you wanted to pick like a random team. No, the Rangers had ninety five wins last year. I know. No, I meant like one of the teams that aren't like the Red Sox and the Indians. <laughs> right. I, it seems yeah, like no, that's I, the popular I choice. <laughs> I picked the Astros to win their division. If that makes you feel better, Jerry. That, that does make me feel a little better. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I want to pick the Red Sox to win the World Series, and I say I always root for that, and I want to pick it too, but. 
I blew that one in our uh, prediction segment. I pre- I said the Sox were going to lose in the ALCS, so they're going to lose in the ALCS to the Rangers, and then the uh, Rangers are going to lose to the Cardinals in the World Series. But none of that's going to happen because the Red Sox are going to win the World Series. So forget anything I ever said. <laughs> one thing <laughs> I, one thing that I expect for the Cubs this year, um, and he had a big game the other night, was is Kyle Schwarber because. You know, last year he didn't play the bulk of the year, and they still won a World Series. Now, he has a tremendous battle. Obviously, we saw him hit in the postseason when he came back in the World Series and did really good things for that team. Two hits, um, two hits on Sunday night, including a double. He, sky's the limit for this team, especially when he's actually in the lineup for the entire season. You mean 0-162 is the limit? Yep, exactly. <laughs> is that what you said? Yep, yeah, exactly. You read, you read my mind. Did I hear you wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, they'll be good, I'm sure, but they're not going to be as good as last year, and they're not going to win the championship. Mark it down. I mean, the, how hard is it to Mark... go back-to-back? Like, it's pretty hard to go back-to-back in baseball. Right, the Red Sox didn't even do it. It's, it's hard, hard to, to go, go back-to-back back back. in any sport, but, like, <laughs> unless you're in the NBA, because then it's, like, kind of parody at that point. But um, Especially look, baseball, it's hard. Yeah, I, I look at the Cubs. There's so many games. There's so many teams. It's just hard to go back-to-back. I think the Cubs will be good this year. Um, but watching this game, I think that the pitching really kind of helped out um, throughout the entire game. It was just a fun pitcher's duel to watch, and it was fun to let, watch Lester do his thing because I miss watching him do his thing in a Red Sox uniform. Idiot ownership and GMs. Um, one more thing before we conform, one more thing before we get out of here before I uh, complete going at our ownership again. Um, there was an article. Where was the article on Yohan Moncada? Uh, I believe it was Sports Illustrated. Was it Sports it? Illustrated? Um, yeah. Yuan Makata supposedly didn't do anything really well here uh, in terms of like you know learning from the veterans and basically doing all the little things you want your I say younger players but younger players your up and coming players to do with veterans. This guy apparently didn't do any of it. Yeah, it's it's concerning. Um, I mean, not so much for Boston anymore, but he's not our problem. But to think that he's twenty years old, I I'm if. I was in a clubhouse with David Ortiz. I'd be soaking that in. I'd be following him around like a lost little puppy and just <laughs> learning the gaining. Just the picture knowledge. Lauren on her hands and knees with puppy dog eyes following David Ortiz <laughs> around the Red Sox locker room. Totally would. But you need to think like these are the people that you know he grew up watching, and now you get to learn from them, and you're just kind of going to be some cocky jack wagon and just be like, nah, I'm going to do my own thing and. I know he's a strong guy. I know he's going to be, I think he's going to be okay, but it's definitely concerning that this young and you're kind of going to give off that attitude, like soak it in, get this knowledge, get advice, because that's how you're going to learn. That's how you're going to be a better player. And you're not going to be a better player just by being a jack wagon. (laughs) (laughs) A jack wagon. Jack wagon. Yeah, it was interesting to read the article and just how he's not, how he didn't didn't really like hang out with the veterans. He uh, he didn't do extra batting practice. Didn't do extra fielding. And the most the most interesting thing to me that I read was that they said that he was like doing things alone after like a short period of time. So like I think he was probably rubbing off on people the wrong way. Seemingly like he was just using his uh, jacked muscles and his uh, <laughs> big contracts. He thought that was just going to carry him. He didn't have to work. And then obviously he came up here and struck out nine straight times and. Looked like he had never, ever seen a curveball in his entire life. So he clearly didn't put the work in, and now it makes more sense why they felt better about trading him and keeping Ben Benintendi because 
I don't know a lot about Benintendi and what he does behind the scenes, but I'm going to go ahead and gander a guess that he probably worked harder than Moncada. So well, I am happy that they did what they did. It seems that Benintendi is a very like hard-edged, straightforward guy. Like he loves, he seems like he likes the spotlight in a good way. He does the work behind the scenes. You know, we hit the for his homer today. He pointed up to the monster seats to his parents, like cause who were sitting up there today. He seems like he does all the little things right. Where now we know, and I don't think this is just a spear campaign because it wasn't out of the Boston media. Um, Moncada does everything behind the scenes the wrong way, and I, you have to think that this is a huge factor of why they traded him and not Benintendi, um, because you know Moncada has the ability potentially on the field, not 100% as ready, obviously, as Benintendi is major league-wise. Benintendi obviously is major league ready, we saw that today especially, but Moncada's going to be a great player in this league, but now he's knowing all the off-the-field stuff with his story, too. You see him trending more to it towards a Yasiel Puig type than you do an Andrew Benintendi type. Something else I just remembered from reading from the article: uh, he wanted to buy ten sports cars at once. Wait, they what? Like, yeah, and they were like, maybe you should get like two or three. And I was like, even what? two or three is like what? <laughs> yeah. How about how much is one? Buy your mama house, right. like. And that's the thing. Like he was so focused on off-the-field stuff and, like, the cool stuff and the money stuff, not what was on yeah. the field. Like, yep. that that's all you need to know right there, the car thing. I mean, that's thats not good for his sake. I, I don't know what he's going to do in Chicago, but clearly he didn't get off to a good start here. No, and that's exactly why you saw him struggle when he came up last year, a couple of bats. They gave him an opportunity, um, and they, they kind of showed him everything he had to with the curveball situation. I'm sure there was attitude behind the scenes now knowing this, and Benintendi's flourished. Um, since coming through the, all the ranks last year, he flew through the minor league system um, and earned a spot and hitting second on the opening day roster this year. It's a fastest turnaround time I've ever seen um, in terms of a young kid coming up and playing and having an impact in the majors so quickly. So um, a lot going on. Red Sox opening day in the books. Um, 2017's kicked it off, and they're undefeated as we record this, which is very exciting to say um, as baseball's back in full swing. Uh, this podcast will be available for on-demand listening, of course, on CLNS Radio, um, on iTunes and Stitcher, as well as the CLNS Radio mobile podcast app. Don't forget to follow CLNS on Twitter, at CLNS Radio. Facebook is CLNS Fans. Don't forget to download that free mobile app. There's no excuses, people. It's free. Uh, and you can listen to all the podcasts on the network there. So search uh, for CLNS on the iOS or Android store or the Google Play store, wherever you may be, um, as well as us on Twitter, at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast, of course. Um, we are brought to you by uh, ZipRecruiter. Uh, you can start using ZipRecruiter for free now by going to ZipRecruiter.com backslash sportsfan. Also, Audible. If you go to audible.com backslash try now, you get your free audiobook. Shout to my bookie. Shout to SeatGeek as well. Um, we'll be back next week as we'll have a full week of baseball to recap. Um, Jess Thomas will be back in full swing with the recap and a whole week's worth of baseball to talk about. It's here, people. You're out of the depths of the winter. They played baseball at Fenway Park. Everything's going up from here. Red Sox all want to know. For Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Scalley. This is Red Sox Beat. Happy baseball season, everyone. We'll be back next week.